Hey, it's Reverend Mook here. I'm filling in for Nick of Bike Talk. Today on Bike Talk, we have a panel of guests showing up. Um, well, not really showing up, but we're going to interview them on the phone via Skype and hopefully um, uh, through, the, through the regular channels here on Kill Radio. Some of the details about the show is um, we're going to be talking about uh, bike sharing. We're going to have... Um, sorry, I, I'm, I'm totally not prepared here, as usual. And my computer is not finding the emails that I've been um, passing back and forth between people. Um... Okay, so here we go. Michael Can, um, he is the he's on the board of Sustainable Streets, uh, formerly on the board of the LACBC. He wants to talk about the structural difficulty that makes these systems work. Um, for instance, uh, you know, everyone's going to ride the the bike share bikes down the hill and then leave them on the bottom for other people to deal with. Um, symmetry of trip requests. Um, for instance, uh, are you going to want to ride? 10 miles one way and then five miles another way, but then have to ride five miles back. I guess that's what that means. Um, uh, in addition, we have uh, Phil Brock, who is the commissioner of Parks and Recreation in Santa Monica. And you see a couple of these uh, schemes in action over there. So um, we're going to talk to him because he really wants to have one of these kind of programs over on the west side. Um, we'll talk to, um, hopefully we can talk to um, Todd of Baku Bikes. I'm sure I'm slaughtering all these names because I'm not really very good at uh, reading names, as weird as that sounds. Um, but anyways, he uh, he works for a firm which proposes bike sharing schemes and uh, around um, Southern California beach cities. Um, so, and he's had some success with his um, work in places like Manhattan Beach. So we'll talk to him and, and see if um, some of these bike sharing programs are undermining uh, what he's trying to do, I, I guess. I mean, I don't I'm not. I'm not really too researched on this subject, so I don't know. Well, um, that's why we're having the discussion because it is bike talk, and it's not really me talking about the bikes. It's um, the other people. So in the meantime, uh, we're gonna get Michael on the on on Skype here pretty soon. Um, and I guess in about, uh, I guess in about 15 minutes, we'll get Michael on the phone via Skype. And we'll talk about bikes and bike sharing. In the meantime, I guess I'm going to play some tunes off of a 12-inch uh, record that I got. This is a, tw this is a pretty interesting record. Um... Just to just to kill some time, so y'all collect and listen. Um, this is an interesting 12-inch record I got. It's from the Peekaboo Records um, label out in Austin, Texas. There's a bunch of um, uh, lo-fi home recordings, um, four-track recordings, that kind of thing, on this um, on this, and they're all about bikes. So I figured this is the most appropriate time to play this particular record. I've never actually played this before on my regular show on Kill Radio before, so I don't know if, if you guys would even like this or not, but it is um, 
they are bike songs, and we have a little bit of time to kill before we get Michael on the phone via Skype. So let's hear from Death Valley. I think this is an instrumental song. Um, this is called uh, Pedal to the Moon on Kill Radio Bike Talk. If it would work. Is it even working? No, because somebody flipped the switch the wrong way. Okay. Pedal to the Moon on Kill Radio. Which is uh, instrumental. I just had Michael on the phone on my cell phone, but uh, I don't know what happened. I guess we... I gotta try calling him back, because I'm gonna try getting him on Skype here. I guess we could start a little early. I have two I have two, two um, sets of watches here in the studio, and they're ten minutes apart, so I don't really know exactly what the right time is. Um, 
Anyways, uh, yeah. Oh. Here we go. Let me see if this will actually work. Kill Radio, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, this is Michael. Yes. Okay. Um, so, do you want to try the Skype thing, or you just want to go with this, the phone? Just with this. Okay. That'll be fine. You can hear me okay, right? I can. Who, with whom am I speaking? Uh, this is Reverend Mook. And who's, who's speaking on the radio? Um, this is Michael, right? Yes. My, yeah, well, my, my name is Michael, but this, I hear, hear a different voice on the, <laughs> on the radio. On the. You do? Um, ah. It should be okay. It, it should be... Okay, we have a little bit of a delay there. Okay, yeah. Got you. Got yeah, you. there's, there's going to be a delay. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very well. Are we talking about bike sharing? We are talking about bike sharing, and it's something that I've actually um, uh, personally have had a couple of my own opinions about, um, but I'm really interested in this discussion. Yeah. I think it's, 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 it's a great item. It has a great uh, positive press, and, and people are very excited about it. But I'm just not sure if maybe those who do not cycle are more interested in than those who do cycle. Right. So it's kind of like the paradise of cycling from the point of view of the non-cyclist. Right. And that is a, it could be, um, could be something where one wants to have a discussion about it. You know, surely a city is a better city if, we, if it has a bike share program. I would think so. I mean, uh, especially if you're traveling from far away and you need a way to get around the town, that's yeah. not on the bus or, you know, the, the subway. A bike sharing program would be really great for those um, traveling. Absolutely. And, but if you, if, you, if you think a little bit further, then, then um, the question is, whom are you serving? You know, you're, you're thinking about tourists or travelers or people who are in, visitors in a, in a certain location where they can't bring their bike and can't have their own bike. And, right. And, and, and there's a great, great meaningfulness in that. Right. Um, yeah. And then, and then, if you think about it technically, what what kind of bike sharing program would that be? It could maybe be located at a hotel. Right. And 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 things are relatively easy then. Uh-huh. They start to get a little bit more complicated if you have public spaces where bikes are publicly accessible and then need to be returned to that place, because a bike rental or a bike sharing system, which is located at a hotel, mm-hmm. you take your bike at the hotel and you bring it back to the hotel. Right. Forward. You get a helmet. And you get a little bit of leaflet in your in your drawer in your room, which explains how to cycle in the city. And and you're and, off on your own. And you're off on your own, and you bring it back where you got it. Right. Um, I guess one of the concerns um, for targeting tourists and stuff like that um, is you would be, I guess, um, directly competing against companies like say in beach cities that have um, bicycle rentals. Um, Around so I mean I don't know how what what, what kind of model business model um, the bike sharing program would be um, is this would would this be like a, a civic thing or would this be like a private company? <coughs> well, if you look, look at what what we have so far. I mean, the, the, would you call Paris for instance? You know, uh-huh. we've got the famous Velip bike bike system there. Is it a private thing or is it a public thing? There, the problems already start to to, to be asked. Right. You know? Is it public or is it private? Right. What do you say? Um, I would. I would think it should be a, a, a public service. I mean, I would. I mean, I'm a cyclist as well, so uh-huh. I'm obviously biased. But you know, uh-huh. other well, we all biased. Other, other people who paid, you know, the taxes might think it's total garbage. You know. Uh huh. 
No, but I've, I've, it's it's a strange mixture of public and, and private interests because because the the advertising firm which runs it, um, Decor is the name I think, uh-huh. JC Decor, and um, and they enter into an agreement with the city and get certain rights for advertisement for a certain number of years on certain public spaces, and for that they entertain the whole system and, and maintain it. Right. And so what the, what the city is doing is kind of selling um, advertising space on behalf of, of, its, of its citizens. And in between comes, comes a firm which, which uh, sees a business opportunity there, and, and maybe the public is happy about it. Yeah. Absolutely, the public is happy about it. And I, then, especially if they don't have to, to put the money up uh, originally to yes. put a system in place, you know, the infrastructure and everything. If a private company is, um, wants to go ahead and do that and get their investors and keep it out of the taxpayers, then... Mm-hmm. But if you go back to Paris and, and think about what has happened to make that possible, it was a real, real big, uh, big deal there because they, they changed the infrastructure of the city. They put in... Um, Bike lanes and, and, and circulation opportunities for bicycles next to buses, and they they put bike lanes into counter lanes, and 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 they put a lot of money on the table to make that bike share thing and that JC Deco thing working. So there's 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 a double whammy of public money going into that scheme. First of all, good for them to to uh, to uh, to build out the, the infrastructure for bicycles. That's that's always good. But if you don't do that, maybe it's not enough. You know. Right. So what you want, it's almost the question is, putting a few bikes at the street corner does not improve biking. It just makes bicycles more accessible for those who are not yet, who, who, who are not afraid to, to mount them. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is, is maybe, that's, that's a nice service for those who are not afraid to ride a bike in the city. Right. But that's not, all, is that really what we want, you know? Right. If, if, if. If we want to increase the bikeability, do we then just need to put more bikes on the street corners, or do we need to make some other changes to the infrastructure, or maybe to the to the to the culture, or to the education, or do we need to put in encouragement programs, which are which are totally different? Right. Um, me personally, I, I mean, I would think that the the city of Los Angeles, for for us, anyways, in our situation, um, I would think that we we would really need to. Um, uh, you know, develop our infrastructure more for for bicycles. Um, kind of like you know, I don't know if you, um, the city of Long Beach actually did um, made a bike lane, kind of like um, temporary bike lanes, just to try them out. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to the way that they're set up in um, uh, Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's a you know segregated facilities. Yeah, like the the bike lane is actually totally there's a there's a there's a giant divider in between the bike lanes and then like the car lanes um Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. you know trees and landscaping and stuff Mm -hmm. in between them and so i think if there is some more of that kind of stuff like more solid bicycle infrastructure um in la then maybe people would be more interested to use the bike sharing program Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a difficult area, you know. It is very difficult. Everybody, you know, there's these two things. That, I don't know, two or three things I know about bicycles. First of all, cars are dangerous, so I need to have my own segregated facilities to right. be away from the cars. Uh-huh. And that I would say is prejudice number one. Mm-hmm. You know, and second prejudice is people don't have bikes. That's why they don't cycle. So we give them bikes, and then they will cycle. Uh-huh. Probably not true either. You know, people have bikes. They're standing around in millions in their garages. Yeah, there's yeah. And and so um, and and the first the first prejudice about the segregated facilities is not really the topic, but really ought to be a topic of another discussion in, uh, on your show. 
because because there's a great dispute about about the benefits of those of those segregated facilities, and and they're kind of inspired by this great fear from for, of car traffic and huh. and and create a structure which in, in itself is has been shown to be even more dangerous than cycling with cars right on the same lane and 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 there comes something which is very close to my heart which is education you know which is showing cyclists that they don't need to retreat into their own little safe, presumed safe zone right but that they that they have at their at their disposal strategies and maneuvers and ways of cycling and ways of uh, engaging with the traffic and communicating in traffic which keep them perfectly safe right yeah, I would. I um, I kind of uh, agree with you in the sense that uh, bike lanes are actually, um, you know, segregating, you know, kind of like cyclists against cars. Yes. Um, I, 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 that's that's like a it's a touchy uh, touchy subject. Um, yeah. And really, what we're talking about here is is we we, we we are in a political situation where, where 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 communities are thinking about what they can do for bicycles you know they are thinking about it they 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 are adopting bicycle master plans and they they hear us you know right but um but are we are we clear what we want to ask of them you know and we i think we are not because because if you put in five hundred thousand dollars into a bike share program that has it has benefits certainly but we need to think about who, for whom are these benefits? For visitors, for locals, for people who still already have a bike, for people who have never cycled, or and how do these benefits compare to, say, putting 1,000 bikes into hands of people um, who who should have them? Right. Because that would be the numbers. You know, a bike share program which has maybe 10 stations with 10 or 12 bikes each um, could run to $500,000, if I'm not mistaken. And, and 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 that can buy a whole lot of bikes for people who who may actually use them every day. You know? Yeah, that is that is true. Um, and and if you if you don't give away that many bikes, but add a little bit of bicycle education on top of it, uh -huh. then you then you can equip many people with, with with their tools, both both materially and intellectually, and and off they go and are safe on the street. This is this is where where I'm coming from, you know. Uh -huh. I, I I I I do agree that a bike sharing program can be a great distinction for a city. It will be kind of the cherry on the cake, right? And it will give the city the impression of a bicycle friendliness, which may only be imaginary. Well, I th I think the more people you know who who start riding bikes, then you know it's just you got to change the the um, the I guess the the culture. The, the culture from the from the from the bottom up, yeah. really. You know, and not, if you not put, the, if not you the put a couple down. of those racks down on, on on the street and 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 where people are walking or next to the car car parking structures, and people find them and they think about it and it, it it's a way of telling them. Uh, it's okay to, to ride a bike. Like. So it's okay, or or it reminds them of their own bike in their garage or something. That's all good. That's yeah. all good. But but, but except that. That maybe if we can spend this five hundred thousand dollars on a on a different campaign, um, that is a marketing campaign, straightforward, it uh, it could also work. You know, uh -huh. it's a it's a little bit of complicated way of achieving a marketing goal, but but, but it works. It could work. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it, I think it would be really great. Um, my only concerns are just sustainability of such a program. Um, how would how would um, how would a business model be set up? How do how do business models in other cities like Paris, uh, Paris and uh, uh, Barcelona? Mm -hmm. how, how do they those compare to some of the 
things that are going on here. Yeah, and 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 maybe there will be other people to 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 to, to talk to that a little bit. But but usually it's a, a collaboration with with the municipality and 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 and, and some kind of entrepreneur who, who who thinks he can he can do something for the community and for his own um, bottom line mm -hmm. and um, and then the question is uh, if it works or not you know right <laughs> if he can can get enough trips on uh, onto the bikes mm. and, and and there are technical questions there which I'm also a little bit concerned about and maybe we can speak about these shortly because if you have a, a system of bikes there there are two or three systems one is The hotel hotel bike, basically. Right. You take it in one location and you bring it back to that location. Right. I've that's been I've I've been to a hotel that had a system like that in San Francisco. Okay, so that's simple. That's straightforward, and you may sign a, a, a release form of some kind, and, and and that's funny. Right. Then there is a system where you have these stalls distributed over the city, maybe 10 or 15. It's kind of like a, like a bus stop kind of... Like um, a bus stop. Um, and each of them has maybe 10 or 15 bikes. Uh -huh. And you walk up to them and they're all gone or they're all broken <laughs> or they're all there and waiting for you and you put in your credit card and you get your bike out of it. And when you're finished, you need to find another one of those parking places to, to leave it. You know, And then you have... Um, that, that's the second kind of system and the third system i think this is something where ryan comes in uh, and he's developing the technology for that and there's there are a few precedents for that in germany for instance where i come from uh -huh. um, that's a system where the bike has its own lock integrated in it and with a gps technology you can find it and leave it anywhere where you where it suits you and you can use like a your fancy uh, smartphone to to find the closest bicycle to you and then go yes, pick you it would up locate the next bicycle you would walk up to it you would show your credit card and you could unlock it and and ride off with it and the next guy would would find it wherever you leave it if if he has a smartphone and and, and the rest of it you know yeah that's that's a pretty cool system i think it's um You know, a system like that is much more scalable than, say, the second kind of system where you're kind of dedicated to um, installing, like, permanent things in specific areas around the city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you, it, it doesn't require that kind of an inst installation. Right. But it, it requires probably a certain kind of density, you know. If you put, if you put, put, put five or ten or fifty bikes of, of that kind into a medium city, people don't know where they are and they don't expect to find one next to them. You know? Right, they would be, um, especially in Los Angeles, I could imagine them being completely spread out you know you could you could start somewhere in, in hollywood and then um, if there is not a certain likelihood that you will find one within a block or two of where you need one right then you you're know, not even uh, starting to search for it that, that that same bike could end up in venice you know so absolutely that's pretty far away <laughs> well someone from venice wants to take it somewhere else again you know? oh yeah but if you, if, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, if you became um, accustomed, like, having a bike that was, like, kind of always around in the neighborhood and then someone took off with it yeah, and then yeah. it's not and there anymore. And what I'm saying is you need a certain density for that to be, to be a reality. Right. You know? and, and you can't, and, and, and you use the word scalable. In that sense, that's relevant because for, 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 for that system to, and for any of those systems to make an impact, there need to be sufficiently, sufficient numbers of bikes there to, to, to not disappoint people when they, when they want one uh -huh. because they may depend on it. Right, exactly. And then they get angry.
<laughs> right, because they got to go to work, and the the yeah. bike's not there. Something they've they've grown to depend on is. Uh, it was a wonderful essay in the, in one of the last issues of the London Review of Books, in which someone spoke about the London scheme of of bikes, and he was very very upset about not being able to find a bike. But he was more deeply upset about the fact that he felt, and this is a t- typically British thing, he felt that bicycles are a working class issue. Uh-huh. They're working class things, and now he finds these bikes in central London, which have the the investment banker's logo on it, Barclays Bank, and that just jarred in his mind so badly. <laughs> he was almost through with his bike thing and, and, and hated it for that person, for that for that reason. But uh, that's only by the way. So we have these three technologies. I mean, I don't want to monopolize the discussion here. Um, I've, I've raised some of my questions. I, might, I think the, 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 the question is. Um, the question really is, as bicycle advocates, do we have a list of priorities how we want to spend our money? Uh-huh. And if we, or do we just like this and we like that and we like this, you know? And, and I think we need to assist the communities and the cities and the agencies in telling them really what, what would make the greatest impact on bikeability and bike safety and, and this and that would be, and then comes a question mark, you know? Mm-hmm. Of course, we all want to have a, a, a nice bouquet of, of options right but if one option costs five hundred thousand and the next it doesn't option work five thousand then uh, then you need to make up your mind right is um so is, is is there is there is there one group in in los angeles that's kind of like setting the the standards like or making these kind of decisions or who's 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 pushing for this um ultimately i don't know i don't know i think we we as, as an advocacy community we need to have this discussion and think about how we want public money to be spent on bicycle issues, you know. And, and I would say um, spending the money on, on education and on encouragement programs, really pushy encouragement programs, you know. Make a budget and tell me what would it cost to, make, to turn 250 car drivers into cyclists, right. you know. Knock at their doors, talk to them on the phone, and, and meet them in the parking structure and, and find out what their issues are and help them. Uh-huh. And, and, and that would be one way of spending money and getting more people out of cars. And now that the oil is coming slowly to an end with all the things that happen in Egypt and so on and so forth, uh, these things become more pressing, you know. I think, I, think for, I think for a lot of people it, it might even become like something they're going to have to do, if, you know, like an affordability of thing. Of course. If the, if the gas price goes where it needs to be, then, then, then that would be a great help, you know. Right, yeah. It would really clear up the streets of Los Angeles, I think. Yeah, right? it would clear up a lot of confusion. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but what you said is, your, your question was, who is going to decide what, what is going to be good for, 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 for cycling? In a right. Like ours? Who, who's, who's um, you know, you asked the question, um, you know, the, the li- having a list of priorities on where to actually spend the money. Yes. Um, how do you, like, where, where would one start to... Um, uh, you know, develop these list of priorities and, and go through them, and then, and I then don't know. reinvent them. Ask the bike working group. Ask the LACBC. Ask all the the little regional LACBC chapters, which are around and which are thinking about these things in some manner, and try try to to get a clearer mind about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I was struck, for instance, I was attending a, 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 a council meeting here in Santa Monica, uh-huh. and one of our councillors there on the council, I, a purple bicycle, she said, oh, yeah, and they have these bike sharing things. I always like them, you know? And then you, you sit back for a second and, and you say, okay, there's a politician. She has the power to make a decision over a, gra- a, lot, a lot of money, and she, for some reason or other, finds it 
popular or attractive or uh, feels like Paris or something, and and then she will go for that, you know. And so there is a lack of expertise and a lack of knowledge about alternatives. And I think we need to provide these alternatives to the table and, sh and tell people that um, that amount of money could buy so and so many bicycles and so and so much education. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else should we talk about? Um, It's so quiet suddenly. I know. I was, I was, um, I was taking notes here. I was kind of <laughs> looking over my notes to see if um, we have anything else to discuss. Yeah, well, um, we have many things to discuss, but maybe it's time for some other people to to come to come on board and and and, and share their thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I should try to call um, Phil. Maybe you want to speak to Phil Brock. He's 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 a commissioner um, for parks and recreation in Santa Monica, and he's a He's a great uh, advocate of these schemes, and 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 it would be interesting to have to have him speak about these things. Okay. okay. Well, I'll try to get him on the phone here. Okay. Um. Actually, if um, do you want to do you want to try? I, there's only one phone line here at the studio. Okay, I will hang up, and you give it give him a try. Okay. Um. Should uh should I try to get you on Skype? Because I think I can get you on both together. We, we, we can try. We can try. Okay. Um. All right. So uh, thank you, and I wait. For, we'll see what happens. Okay, we'll see what happens with the Skype. If not, I'm going to try to get Phil. Um, now that was that was Michael. Um, um, I'm going to try to get uh, Phil Brock on the phone here. Phil Brock is the um, again. I'm searching through my emails. Um, totally unprepared, like usual. Oh, maybe he was listening, and I don't have to call him. Kill Radio. This is Spike Talk. Hi, this is Andrea White. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Um, were you listening uh, on the radio? I, I, I was not. Okay. Um, we just got off the phone with, uh, with Michael. Um, he was talking about some of the uh, uh, different bike schemes um, and uh, bike, uh, bike sharing programs and some of their pluses and minus. Sorry, I'm I'm still trying to like f I'm flipping through emails and stuff, but um, okay. I'm totally unprepared. <laughs> well, I'll try to get on the radio in the meanwhile, I guess. Okay. Um. So, do you have any input, or do you want to talk about bike sharing, or? Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd love to talk about bike sharing. Okay. I, I'm still I couldn't I can't seem to find the email that um has um. Um. Okay, you're from the Long Beach Bike Station. Yep. Okay, that's 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 what I need to know. Um, so tell me a little bit about the Long Beach Bike Station. That's kind of like a it's a co-op of like um, like learn how to repair your bike or how does that work exactly? So so bike station and, and Long Beach is only one of our our um, facilities. Okay. Um, it was the first one, but yeah. So the general concept is that you um, have a facility where you can securely park your bike twenty four seven. It has key card access. Um, since lack of secure bicycle parking is one of the top three barriers to bicycling always across the country. It's a, it's a huge, bike theft is a huge problem and it keeps people from getting on bikes. Uh -huh. um, and then um, basically, like at the Long Beach Station, it's a very full service facility. You have staff there, um, you have repairs and rental and retail, and then you have um, 
our staff is able to help you put your bike up on a rack um, and, and you can use our tools and to help you understand how to repair things, um, repair your bike. And it's sort of like, kind of like the original bike kitchen in, in a way. Um, uh-huh. And uh, see, and some of the facilities have showers and changing rooms and lockers and things like that. So it's really like almost like a, a gym membership for bicyclists, kind of providing all of those services that a, that a, a cyclist might need. Awesome. Um, how many how many facilities do you have? Right now there are seven. Oh wow! I didn't had no idea. I thought there was yeah. uh, just a few. Um, so they're they're all in Long Beach. Um, so we're based in Long Beach, and the facilities are in Washington D.C. and Long Beach and Santa Barbara, Palo Alto, okay, so um, Covina, and Claremont. Okay, so they're kind of spread out all over the place. Yeah. Um, so what do you th- what do you think about bike sharing? Do you think um, bike sharing is uh, is relevant in these areas, or do you? I mean, because you work a lot with commuters and stuff like that. How how do how do you see the future of cycling if bike sharing programs are in place? Well, I think um, I think what we're seeing is that there's a lot of interest in bike sharing. Um, uh-huh. It kind of captures the imagination, um, but it also is just a piece of the puzzle. And um, and and we're only seeing really initial results from bike sharing systems in the U.S. Um, one of the one of the most advanced systems. Or one of you know one of those that have gone beyond the pilot stage and actually has some good data on it is um, the one in Washington D.C. Capital Bike Share, uh-huh. which is you know we have a facility there, we have a bike station there, so we work closely with um, with the District Department of Transportation and and we have a lot of overlap, and so I've heard a lot about the bike share system, mm-hmm. and um, and the two the two actually work in conjunction with another um, secure bike parking and then. Um, bike sharing and I think that um, I think that bike sharing um, is a great complement to bike parking uh-huh. and I would say that you know my bias is, I'm going to show my bias here that we have um, a situation where in this country um, statistically most people have access to I'm sorry have their own bicycles where we this this country we're really bicycle owners um, and so um, we need to provide for those bicycles to get those bikes out of garages, right. use those assets that we have, and we know how to do that. Um, we know, yeah. So we know how to do that. These facilities are really successful. You know, fifty plus percent of people were previously driving when they used the bike station. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, bike sharing serves a different audience. It, it serves the audience where um, they might not have their bike at the moment and they need to take a quick trip or um, they, you know, or they, or they don't have a bike and wouldn't get a bike, but they might use it. And, and the success rates in terms of getting people out of cars for the bike sharing systems um, so far that have, have reported results on that in the U S is somewhere less than 20%. So it's really kind of an additional amenity to the transportation system. Right. Um, okay, so is the just a couple more questions about the the bike station that I'm wondering. Um, uh, is is this like um, is is bike sharing program something that that you guys would uh, try to to do something in, in parallel with what you're doing now, like a like a new bike sharing program? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and as a matter of fact, we we operate a small bike sharing system for the city of Long Beach, but um, but 
and kind how- of the future of this is to incorporate um, pods of bike parking and bike sharing um, across cities, making it convenient for people to do either, depending on their need for the day. And right. uh, we have a pilot project that we were named by city count, LA City Council um, to be a part of that is um, essentially 32 um, quote-unquote multimodal hubs that include things like secure bike stations, bike, bike station facilities, um, bike sharing, car sharing, all of those things um, that you can access with one membership and make it easy for you to, to choose to not drive your car that day. Right. Um, so if, if someone was interested in, in bike sharing with the current program that you have now that you guys are um, – have available is, is that expensive or how does how does how does that how much would it cost to do something like that like say if, if i was a a, a a driver and i really didn't want to drive my car anymore because i just worked you know a mile or two away um how, how, how much would i how much would like the bike sharing program be or how much is it uh, oh, so you're looking at some of the from the end user kind of standpoint yeah like um the membership like sort of, is it going to yeah. be yeah, it's, it's, it's very, I mean, for, for the end user, um, bike parking and bike sharing is very inexpensive. Um, I, I don't know the exact cost, and there are different pricing, um, different pricing schemes for bike sharing, I know, in general. Uh-huh. Um, and they try to do, they try to make it very low cost for trips of a half an hour or less, and then the cost goes up really significantly. And, and part of that, I think, is... Um, is to preserve the the bike rental market, right? Um, we have a whole set of the economy that that does the bike rental thing, and um, yeah, that, that, that so was the, the bike, yeah, the bike sharing thing doesn't hopefully um, undermine the that, commercial. Undermine it, yeah, yeah. That's that was one thing I was um, um, one thing that I wanted to, to discuss as well sometime in the show is. Um, the people who, are, who already have uh, commercial bike rental programs and um, what their thoughts on uh, like a municipal wide program of the same uh, sense, I guess you could say. Um, so I guess we're gonna we're gonna talk to some people later who actually run a, a bike um, rental. Um, okay, uh, is there anything else? Um. No, I, I think you kind of hit the highlights. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll we'll move on. So it was nice talking with you. So, <laughs> so is that it? I mean, I mean, do you mean any longer? Or? Uh, if, if there's anything more you want to say, um, feel free. Feel free to call back in. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, call back in if you if you'd like, because um, we're going to talk to some other people. We only have one phone line here at Kill Radio, so um, we can't really get multiple people on the line. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, if you hear something uh, that strikes your interest, uh, call back. I will. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yep. All right. That was. Um... Wow, the phone's just going off. Uh, Kill Radio. Is hey, talk. Phil Brock. Hey, Phil Brock. How you doing? I'm supposed to be on. Yep, that's right. We're on right now. Okay. Um, okay, so you are the commissioner of um, 
Well, yeah. Right. I am a commissioner. Hi, right. I'm vice chair. I'm Phil Brock. I'm vice chair of the Recreation and Parks Commission of the City of Santa Monica. Okay. And I've been uh, spearheading bicycle rental and bike sharing programs and trying to uh, improve everything from bike uh, signage to uh, bike safety in the City of Santa Monica. Okay. So you... Um You've seen some of these bike-sharing programs. Companies pitch uh, different ideas to you, I would, would guess, right? I've uh, visited uh, several programs in the United States and several programs that, are operate, that have been operating for quite a while in Europe. Um, the, the best system I've seen so far in the United States in the last few months has been uh, B-Cycle. B-Cycle. And B-Cycle's operating in the city of Denver. They opened uh, last May. I was there about two weeks after they opened. And uh, they have 500 bikes um, in uh, 50 stations in the downtown area. They are going to be expanding over the next three years to 500 stations and up wow, to 2,500 to 5,000 bicycles throughout their city. Um, they are also, uh, now they've been a fantastic success, 102,000 checkouts of bicycles with the average ride of uh, two miles between May and December. Okay. That's great. Um, so what makes their system work compared to systems that are kind of on paper? Well, Washington, D.C. system, which the last uh, caller mentioned from BikeShare, was a problem because it was advertiser-funded uh -huh. uh, in exchange for um, advertising on the city's bus stations. Right. And um, as a result... It only worked as much money. It only brought in as much money as they brought in from advertising. So that system really failed. They're now Washington D.C. is now um, starting a second bike sharing system, which will probably be successful because it's not going to just be advertiser funded. Right. So I would imagine there's a lot of infrastructure that's already in place that they could use from the previous yeah, attempt. Yeah, they just they didn't have a complete enough system. They didn't have stations that were close enough. So. Um, Denver's system is working because you can check out a bike every few blocks. Uh, Denver's system, which I, I especially like, GPS on every single uh, bicycle. Every bicycle has built-in headlights and taillights. Every bicycle has a great, ba uh, best basket I've seen on a bicycle. They're three-speed uh, Trek bicycles, uh -huh. and um, they all have built-in locks. And the first half an hour of every ride is free. So if you did a microcosm and said you were in Santa Monica, California, uh -huh. and you were at Yahoo Center, for instance, and you're a Yahoo employee and said, you know, I'd like to go to the promenade for lunch. Uh -huh. Instead of hopping in your car or not driving because it's going to be too much of a hassle, right. you hop on your bicycle, park it at one of the kiosks at Santa Monica on the 3rd Street Promenade or Santa Monica Place. Okay. So you've checked in your bicycle. It's taken less than a half an hour to ride it, so it's been free. You ride back to Yahoo, and you have a free lunch ride without paying for parking, without hassling. So what, we, what has happened in other cities that have really aggressively done this, from Miami Beach to uh, uh, there's a host of American cities that are starting bike sharing this year. So uh, Chicago is in the process of uh, beginning. Uh, Des Moines is starting. Uh, Honolulu will have B-Cycle. Uh, Louisville is starting a bicycle sharing program. San Antonio is starting a bicycle sharing program. Uh, Miami Beach started one last August. Uh, Denver has one. Minneapolis has one. If you expand to Canada, you see Montreal, Toronto. Uh, and, of course, in Europe, almost every uh, major European city 
has um, a successful bike share program. Right. So, um, are these are these bike share programs that are being implemented in uh, North America? Are these from private companies with uh, specific interests, or are these like government kind of funded? Uh... Well, each you know each city is doing something a little bit different. Um, I like Denver's model because Denver becomes a public-private partnership. Right. So Denver's model, um, the city spun off uh, seed money from that was left over from the Democratic National Convention. They, uh, they spun off a million dollars to fund the program, uh-huh. um, at which point they formed a private nonprofit uh, company to oversee the program, so to absolve city of liability, really. Uh-huh. Um, and it's composed of city commissioners, city councilmen, uh, city staff, plus uh, interested uh, bicycle advocates. And they got everyone to sign on to it, and then they got the system running. Okay. Um, how do you see the, the how do you see Santa Monica's future bike sharing program? Well, running? so far it's been one of frustration because I've been advocating this for several years. Okay. Um, this is a program we should already have in shape, especially, you know, I mean, to be a little bit, I guess, uh, <laughs> egotistic, we're Santa Monica. You know, we should have been the first city in the state of California to have a great bike-sharing program. Right. And usually we're on the cutting edge, and we have a city that uh, is already outdoors-conscious, health-conscious, and in an area where you can use a bicycle every day. If you look outside today... Right now, it's 72 degrees on the beach in Santa Monica. Yeah, it's beautiful outside. You know, um, this is our Rose Parade Day. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the uh, I, I think we are moving toward that. I've been frustrated because it's been so incredibly slow in Santa Monica to get it going, but I believe we can do it. I mean, I, my goal is 18 months from now to be open with 25 stations throughout our city, and... The, the big question for Santa Monica really is not just Santa Monica's bike share, but how do we integrate it into a regional solution? Right. So um, with the other cities on the west side, I know uh, Mayor Bloom in Santa Monica is going to be working with the other cities as well. And we, I especially am looking at inc- being inclusive to UCLA, uh, Santa Monica College, Loyola Marymount College, West L.A. College, and looking at a solution that includes ultimately West Hollywood, ultimately the city of Los Angeles. You know, the the ideal would be to have the same bike share system throughout L.A. County. Right, so they're all compatible with each other. Absolutely. So if I wanted to ride from my house in, in northwest Santa Monica and wanted to ride to uh, Farmer's Market on Fairfax today, I would ride down there with a bicycle, check it in, check uh-huh. out another one on the way back. That is the ideal. Right. In the meantime, I think Santa Monica has to take the lead in actually identifying the system that we want to use, A, and then B, saying out where we want the stations and how we want the system to work. Right, exactly. Um, as Michael was saying before, um, there really needs to be like a, a set of priorities on like who, who this is for exactly, um, how this is going to work exactly. Well, in, you know, in the city of Santa Monica, you look at, uh, you have a, a tremendous amount of, first of all, tourists. And a lot of those tourists are European who are used to using bike share bicycle program. share programs everywhere. Uh, when I was in Denver, I interviewed people who were checking out bicycles. And a number of them from, were from other cities and said, this is a great way to see downtown Denver. Uh-huh. So first and foremost, 
you look at the huge influx of tourists into Santa Monica. They'll use them. Secondly, citizens in Santa Monica, if you have a station, I'll use another example, at Brentwood Country Mart, if you had a station across street from there, um, and you wanted to go down to the Wednesday Farmer's Market in Santa Monica, uh-huh. you'd be able to go down there. The baskets are big enough. You could fill up your basket with, with uh, fresh produce and ride home. So I think in Santa Monica, with the fact that we have light rail coming, each one of those light rail stations needs a bike share station in order to let those commuters commute from their house to the bike share to um, get on the uh, light rail to downtown Los Angeles and back. I I think you have a tremendous audience. And and actually, we estimated originally 250 bikes. I think within three years, you'd like to have 500 bicycles available in Santa Monica. Uh And that you'd have bicycle stations, if you imagine, at every major park every major point in the city, and then people can ride those, especially with 20,000 students at Santa Monica College. Right. Uh, students need to go to UCLA right. who live in Santa Monica, people who ride just up and down the beach, people who ride through our city. And, and the answer, I think, one of Michael's concerns, and everyone's concerns, well, you put more bicycles on the street, how do you increase safety? And to be honest with you, if you have a critical mass of bicyclists, It'll be easier for city government to establish dedicated bicycle ways, to establish better signage, and to create an atmosphere in the city where people understand that bicyclists have equal opportunities as motorists do in commuting through our city. Right. And, and, and it's not a matter of one or the other. I think it's a matter of both. So if we said that we're going to add within five years... You know, you're going to have a thousand people on the streets in Santa Monica riding bicycles between bike share and their own bicycles. That they're going to get used to riding to work, getting used to going to the supermarket, get used to doing their short commutes to go to a movie, right. buy bicycle in Santa Monica. Then we will create bicycle lanes both east, west, north, and south in the city, and we will create. Uh, more bike sharrows. We'll create a lot of things that the city of Long Beach is doing right now. Right. And I was just reading a second ago because part of our commission is health. And it was interesting. I was looking at San Antonio's bike share system and their mayor, interestingly enough, says that they're going to go from the city's the, the uh, program in, in San Antonio will add to their city's quality of life, make it a more attractive and hipper place. And he was declaring, as Long Beach has done, that San Antonio is going to be the most bike-friendly city in the country in the years to come. Wow. And his final quote is, which is, which is very relevant in California and throughout the nation right now, we want to get off the fattest list and onto the fittest list. I think, I think uh, getting people on bikes is a great way to do that. I mean, I've been able to keep my tone pretty well just from cycling every day to work and back. Um, so a couple questions about uh, how bike shares will affect, um, um, you know, rental companies in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel that those, um, the people who've, who've made their livelihood off of uh, renting bicycles to tourists to ride up and down the beach on the, on the side or on the, on the little, on the bike path over there, uh, do you feel that this um, bike sharing is going to undermine their, their business? Well... Uh, you know, the, the bicycle rental spots in Santa Monica are, are also part of 
the food service franchise. Okay, see, I don't know how, how it works. So but. there's only one bicycle rental, I believe, that is, that is completely private just south of the pier. Uh, the other bike rentals, actually, that's a service of their food franchise along the beach. Uh-huh. So look at the people who want to rent a bicycle to go um, along the Han bike path uh-huh. to Manhattan Beach or whatever for the day may still rent it there. That's fine. You know, I think what it will do is if you're a private bike rental in the city of Santa Monica and we have gleaming brand new beautiful bikes that you can rent, you know, inexpensively through the city bike share. Uh-huh. If I'm a private bike share, I'm going to have to get better quality bikes. Right. I have to have better service. And then I can compete. Yeah. That- I, I mean, as part of the free enterprise system, I don't know if we're supposed to just go, well, there's, there's been a private bike rental. And so we can't do a public bike share. Right. I think we do a public bike share, and if they survive, then I think they'll provide better services. They'll they'll be the ones who are finding the ten speed bicycles. They'll be the ones who are providing you know more unique bike riding opportunities. Right. I think what we're trying to do is is just make like a utility. Yeah, I, I want it to be seen as your normal way to get around in the city of Santa Monica. Right. Will be through bicycle. Uh, you know. We, we have problems, huge problems with traffic in the downtown area in Santa Monica. And I'm a uh, native of the city of Santa Monica, so I'm one of the people who's always frustrated because it's a city that I used to be able to drive through in 10 minutes. Right. And it can now take me 15 minutes, 20 minutes just to get through downtown Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. So with the new parks that we're adding just south of the pier, with the bike-sharing systems that we, can, we hope we can add, with the light rail coming to Santa Monica, we want to provide a city that 20 years from now will look like a European city. Yeah, I think We want you to be able to, to ride your bike, to walk from Main Street to Montana Avenue, to walk through downtown Santa Monica, to bicycle ride through downtown Santa Monica, and to have that, that great sense of place that European cities have. You know, part of the, the reason crime is lower is because everyone's out walking. Everyone's on the streets. Right. And that provides a sense of community right, you in know, the city. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I I've always I, um, I used to live in New York, and when I lived in New York, everybody talked to each other. When I first moved to Los Angeles, nobody nobody really talked to me, so or even really talked to each other. You know, that was one thing that I noticed. Um, but what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is, uh, you know, there's there's definitely more sense of community like when you get out of your car and just start talking to other people. Um, um, okay. Um, what are some of the the challenges that you're having right now, and to that you're going to have to overcome in 18 months to get the bike sharing? To well, happen? to be honest with you, our, our city staff were not focused on bike sharing or bicycles for so long that it was very frustrating for years. I mean, I, I can give you a, a great example on the uh, county bike path, which is the the beach bike path that runs through Santa Monica. Uh-huh. Um, we felt seven years ago that we needed new signage that if you are an international tourist, a sign that says bikes or peds, nobody from Europe, Asia, is going to know what peds are. Right. So we've been trying, unsuccess- it's taken seven years to get to the point where people are finally saying, oh, yeah, we need new signage on the beach. Just to get some signs, right? Yeah, and, and to be able to look at it and to extend the pedestrian part of the, the pedestrian path along the beach 
up to the north city limit uh-huh. so that you would have continue to have or you would actually have again a separate bicycle path separate pedestrian path so part of this is just taken so incredibly long uh-huh um you know it's probably people know me would say i actually had some hair when this started and and my hair is pretty much gone now and turning gray because of this uh-huh. so I, I think you know the tide has now changed in Santa Monica and cities all through the nation, people are finally recognizing the need for for just having bicycle. Absolutely, period. and you know you can look at and, and Dr. Khan is a, a great example of someone who's been preaching in the wilderness for years about bicycling, about bicycle sharing, about all the different things he feels that need to be done. Now. He's never going to close the Santa Monica Freeway and make it all bicycles. I know he said that once. Uh-huh. But, you know, it would be we want to have the equivalent of a bicycle freeway from downtown L.A. to Santa Monica. Right. You want to have safe places for people to ride, and you want to make sure that, that bike sharing, et cetera, will go. Santa Monica is finally going to institute a new revised bicycle um, master plan in the next few months. Uh, we encourage everyone to have input on that. Our city right now, we will have next Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, at the Ken Edwards Center in downtown Santa Monica. Uh-huh. We'll be having another meeting of our Bicycle and Pedestrian Committee of the Recreation and Parks Commission. And um, we will be discussing um, the high rate of bicycle and pedestrian accidents in Santa Monica. So we'll have representatives from Santa Monica Police, the Seniors Commission, the uh, Planning Commission, as well as um, fellow commissioners from Recreation and Parks will be there to also discuss these issues. So we are motivated. I believe that now we're starting to see no longer us screaming in the wilderness, but we're actually getting populated meetings where we are getting citizens who are motivated and enthusiastic about not only bike sharing, but finding ways to get around share the road between bicycles motorists pedestrians right and and that includes classes on bike safety that will include a number of different actions in the city of santa monica to make bicycles as well as motorists as well as pedestrians an equal priority okay awesome um okay so uh there's a couple other people trying to call in um I'll uh, let's get off the phone here, and uh, I guess we'll try to call you back if we have any more questions. Great, good to talk to you this morning. Good to talk to you. Thanks bye for bye. calling in. Thanks, bye. Yeah, that was Phil Brock of the. Uh, he's the commissioner of Parks and Recreation in Santa Monica. Um, I've been getting emails here from people trying to call in, which is probably someone here. So let's see who this is. This is Kill Radio. This is Bike Talk. Hi, it's uh, Todd hey, from Baiku Bikes, and I'd I... like to bring in Ryan as well. Okay. So if you would hold, please. Okay, sure will. Um, Todd is um, Baiku Bikes, which is a firm that specializes in bike sharing schemes for Southern California beach cities, and I guess he's had some success in Manhattan Beach. So when he gets back on the line with Ryan... Um, Who's also? I had no luck getting him on. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I know he's, he's just he actually sent me an email, but um, I haven't really had time to check it. Um, okay. So um, 
you you work for a firm that pushes uh, new bikes new bike sharing programs to municipalities, right? Is that is that what it is? I'm sorry, I, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Okay, let me turn up the. Can you hear me better now? Uh, a little bit better, yes. Is that better? Yes. Okay, um, so you you work for a um, a, a firm that uh, specializes in um, bike sharing schemes. Correct. We're actually the first company to actually launch or uh, start a pilot program in Southern California. For okay. Bike so when you're starting this thing out, um, did what were some of the priorities that you had to define for well, bike sharing? I mean, like, so like um, infrastructure, um, maintenance. Uh, how, how do you how do you deal with these things? Well, let me let me actually start off, if, if you would please, by. Um, you know, the impetus for actually starting this. Um, I was in Barcelona and actually saw their bike share program, okay. which is called Bising. And um, behind um, Paris, it's one of the largest uh, bike share programs. It's, I believe there's about 6,000 bikes in Barcelona. Wow. And um, I was thinking, well, if it works in Barcelona, why not bring it to Southern California? Because the, the climate's nearly identical. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I actually have a partner and we had determined that Manhattan Beach would be a good place to start this. Uh-huh. And Manhattan Beach, um, like uh, Santa Monica that, that Mr. Brock was discussing before, is very fitness-oriented. And uh, people like to ride their bikes along the beach. And uh, it's a place that sets trends. So we had actually appeared in front of the city council in Manhattan Beach, uh, I believe it was three times, and then we were granted the right to launch a pilot in on the December 7th meeting of their city council. Okay. So we're actually in the process now of implementing the pilot. And, and we think that, uh, you know, it would go over well. And, and one of the other places we're actually looking at is Santa Monica. We've actually had discussions with another member of their staff. Um, is this a uh, privately funded, uh, pri- privately funded, or is this, um, where's the money coming from? Uh, it is privately funded. In fact, uh, there are only two other privately funded bike share programs in the United States. Okay. One is um, B-Cycle in Oahu. Okay. And the other is Deco Bike in Miami Beach. Okay. Um, actually, I can bring in Ryan right now if that would be possible. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, hang on. Ryan is uh, involved with engineering and development and set up, um, I guess, working on a control and locking mechanism for bikes. Um so there's a lot of technical challenges that um, he has to figure out. I guess I guess I should tell you guys. There's a chat over it uh, on KillRadio.org. If you go. Okay, to chat. Ryan's joining us. Oh, hi, Ryan. Hey, how you doing? Can, uh, thanks, Todd, for uh, for setting that up and bringing it in. No can, problem. Can you hear me, Ryan? Yep, I, I got everybody. Okay, perfect. Great. So there, are, as we were discussing, there are only two privately funded. Um, bike share programs in the United States. One is in Oahu, which is about 100 bikes, and then Deco Bike, which is launching in Miami Beach, which is 1,000 bikes. Oh, wow. And so when um, when Phil Brock had mentioned uh, B-Cycle before in Denver, that's one of the places we'd actually looked at uh-huh. in terms of their success. A lot of these are actually publicly funded programs. So the publicly funded programs are great for cities that have money. Right. But as you know, in California, we're, our budgets are, are, are basically non-existent. Right. So we figured that's the other thing that we have going for us is, is that if you have a privately funded bike share program, 
you're going to have a, a higher likelihood of acceptance by city councils. Yeah. What, what, what's interesting is actually the the funding for a lot of these publicly funded bike share systems are actually coming from federal funding. Um, this has been done in uh, Boston, Chattanooga, uh, Minneapolis, where uh, usually a nonprofit or a city government will apply to the federal government for um, there's called, they're called congestion mitigation and vehicle quality uh, grants, CMAC grants, uh, or other sources of uh, federal highway grant funding, and they try to compile these these pools of money and, and use that for the capital purchase of the equipment. So um, yeah, he's very much right that they, that there's been a trend over the last couple of years. Um, for there to be this kind of publicly funded uh, bike share. And generally, it's not coming from the coffers of the city itself. Um, it's coming from the federal government. Um, San Francisco has put together $7.9 million. Uh, that's partially federally funding and, and, and partial, partially uh, regional funding and local funding. Um, New York City, on the other hand, uh, they didn't get any sort of federal funding. They, their RFP is uh, specifically a, a uh, privately funded and operated bike share system. Um, and that's just 10,000 bikes, correct? Uh, I mean, in the scope, in the initial study that the um, planning department in New York did, they called for an initial launch of 10,000 bikes to launch with enough density and scale to be um, a real you know, public transit alternative. Um, they, they've not really required that, but that is, that is kind of their vision, and it's up to the, the private uh, enterprises to put in their proposals. Uh, th those proposals are actually due next week, so um, you know we'll see kind of what what shakes out from that. Um, but yeah, basically, bike share is a three-year-old three-year-old industry, four years at the most. I mean, there were some earlier systems in Europe, but it didn't really take off until after uh, Vélib in Paris in 2007. Mm -hmm. So you know, as it's coming to North America, people are exploring different business models. They're trying to find out how do you pay for it and how do you sustainably operate it. The thing is, the, the, the equipment that, that B-Cycle and Bixie and these major providers provide is very expensive. Uh, the, the per bike startup cost uh, for a bike share system, a traditional bike share system, is four to $5,000 per bicycle to get something going. So if you're talking even about a, a small system of, say, 300 bikes, that's roughly $1.5 million in capital expense to get that going. Um, which is what's made it so challenging and difficult for it to kind of take off and go mainstream. Yeah. I can see how that's a, a big deal. It's not really just buying a bunch of bikes and then sticking them somewhere and then hoping people use them. There's a right. lot of... So I, I'm actually curious, Todd, um, have, as you're kind of pursuing this pilot in, in, in for-profit kind of model or, or at least privately funded model, um, you know, have you, have you looked at kind of the major major platforms, the, the B-Cycle and the Big C, or you know, have you thought about which technology you're going to use? We've actually talked to three companies. Those are two of the companies we've looked at. And there's a third company called Ecotrip, which is based out of San Diego. And they're, they've focused on uh, college campuses. UC Irvine has an implementation, and Yale has an implementation. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean, the problem is the capital expenditure at the beginning of the process. Mm -hmm. And what we've calculated, and it's one of the issues that we're running into, is the number of uh, bikes you have to have out there to actually um, do well and break even and, and attract venture capital funding is about eight to 10,000 bikes. Uh -huh. So you really have to have massive scale on a private basis in order to make this work. Right. And um, what, one thing I like about your solution is it is a low-cost solution, and I think there, there are some you know, obstacles you, you guys have to come as well to overcome as well, too, 
but I like yours because it is a lower cost option, and it's something that you could actually smaller cities could implement right away. Right. Um, yeah. We haven't we haven't actually um, just talked about um, Ryan's uh, involvement with uh, um, bike sharing. So do you want to go ahead and explain real quick what you do? Yeah, yeah. I guess this is the best the best time. So the the other systems. Um, have these docking stations where you park up the bike and then you have the kiosk where you check out the bike. Um, and it's very reliable and you have good point-to-point um, transportation. Um, unfortunately, that's where most of the infrastructure costs come from. That's why there's such high capital costs. Right. Not that the bicycle themselves are $5,000 per bike. It's all this other infrastructure that goes with it. Right. Um, so what I thought, my, my original idea starting about you know over two years ago, was rather than having all the intelligence and security and authorization systems on these these racks on the, on these stations, why not put that on the bicycle? Put the walking system on the bicycle. Put the the communications on the bicycle, and then you have the flexibility to kind of um, lock up to any regular bike rack. So, you know, you could still set up hub locations that are kind of centers for redistribution and where users always know where they can find a bike. But if the user takes a bike out of a hub, they can also ride around and drop it off at any, any bike rack in their town. So um, you remove that kind of major capital investment of all those kind of those docking stations and the kiosks, and you replace it with bike racks. You're creating a shared infrastructure. With, with traditional bike share, you are having a separate infrastructure that only benefits uh, the new cyclists and the bike share users. Um, so I saw one of the questions that were meant to be addressed by this talk was, you know, what do cyclists think about bike share? You know, people that are already biking. Um, I think with our approach, I think it's something that they would like because we're creating new parking opportunities uh, for, for all cyclists because anything installed that, that benefits bike share bikes could also benefit the private bike. Um, so basically, yeah, we have uh, mobile communications and a, and a computer a processor on the bike itself that... Um, you know, you can make your request using your mobile phone. It sends that request to the central server. The central server sends your PIN code to the bike, and then you enter your PIN code, and you're on your way. Um, Ryan, so if, I, if I might ask you, um, mm-hmm. your system sounds a little bit more closely to align with Zipcar, where it's actually the technology is embedded in the car or it's embedded on the bike versus, say, a fixed station, which gives you more flexibility, correct? Right. Yeah, I, uh, I've often I go through my whole spiel of who we are and what we do, at the end of it, somebody's like, oh, so Zipcar for bikes. Um, so it, it, it is very much similar to that. There's a few differences in that uh, Zipcar, as of now anyway, they don't offer one-way rental. Um, and theirs is something that you book in advance. I think for us, we want to have more spontaneous rentals. You can only, you know, you can only reserve a bike maybe 15 minutes prior to actually picking a bike up. Uh-huh. And, and you're, you want to accommodate one-way rental as well. So there's some differences in execution, but in terms of the technology involved, it's very, very similar. Um, all the same type of hardware components and a similar type of software. How how does the how how the the um, the electronics and everything on the bicycle be powered? Uh, hub Dynamo, so basically okay. a Dynamo charger that is is repowering the batteries. Now, okay. um, we are currently testing it. The output of the Dynamo um, seems like it's going to be enough. We still have more testing to do. Um, it's not a very uh, uh, consistent power, though. If you're going very slow, you're producing a little power. If you're going really fast, you're really cranking it up. Right. So so we have to kind of clean up that energy and rectify it. But um, it, it seems like that's going to be enough. Now, if it's not, if we need additional charging, 
uh, I've talked to a few companies that provide small solar panels uh-huh. where we could attach a solar panel to the lockbox as well. But if at all possible, we want to run purely off the dynamo. So we have the bike. We have technology powered by the bike for bike technology. Right. That sounds great. Um, yeah. How if if, if the um, if the bike wasn't used for a while and the, and the battery ran out, would you be able to unlock it or would it be stuck there? So um, we, we're going to have alerts built in. So if a bike sits and their, their battery slowly drains down, once it gets to like 25, 30%, whatever it's going to be, that's where you kind of need field staff to go out and swap out um, battery packs. Okay. Um, so this is not going to be a complete kind of just put it out there and it takes care of itself. There's going to be maintenance. There's going to be redistribution to some extent. Um, and there's going to be, you know, the necessary, you know, swapping out of batteries when, when something gets low. Right. Um, so, yeah, what, one, of the, one of the major issues we want to tackle is, is the redistribution of bikes. Um, that's one of the biggest problems with the existing system. First of all, it's... Uh, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, sorry. So, for the existing systems, you need to have approximately 1.5 every, uh, parking spaces for every for every bicycle so you need that overage and even with that often you'll have one station completely full and another completely empty right so they're constantly rebalancing these these bikes and that's part of the the large operating costs of this type of system um one thing we want to do is use the users themselves and put incentives in there for them to help us do that redistribution so if you return to a hub location, there'll be no additional charge. If you take the bike and you bike directly to your house and lock up outside of a hub, you pay a, a small additional charge, maybe two bucks. And that gets posted back to the map, and the next user to take that bike and return it to a hub gets a $2 credit. So you kind of have the, the users themselves have incentives to bring the to bikes bring back to where we want them. Right. Um, and, and, and if we can successfully... Uh, execute that will eliminate one of the major operating costs of a, of a traditional system. Yeah, I think that that's a great idea. Um, but um, you know, I, I think the, the everybody that is looking at bike sharing. I mean, first of all, most cities love the idea and want to do it. And and I think Santa Monica would be great. And there's a lot of places in in, in Southern California that would be great. But the biggest challenge is is who pays for it and who runs it. So, you know, if we can kind of figure out a way to do that, do it affordably, uh, and by bringing down the capital costs, make it something that doesn't need this gross subsidy, um, you know, I think we have a good chance of, of emerging as, as the winner in all this. Because there's, there's a lot of companies that are kind of getting in the space, but nobody has yet taken our approach. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I, I would agree that, uh, that what you're saying about the challenges in terms of paying, but I also think there's other factors that are involved here in terms of allowing success for bike sharing mm-hmm. and uh you know one of which is the culture out here i mean it is not a culture people love their automobiles out here and sure. it's easy for them to jump in a car and there's parking is plentiful and the other thing is it's a convenience factor right so if it's just as easy to jump in a car and go five or ten minutes a lot of people will actually do that um unlike new york where parking is a major mess boston parking is a major mess here you have that. The other thing that we found is, is that um, that Seattle had actually come up with a plan for bike sharing, and they identified 12 factors that lead to 12 metrics that lead to success in bike sharing, which are really interesting. Um, you know, topography is one that people just don't think about, but people don't want to ride their bikes if they have to ride uphill half the time. Right. Huh? 
and uh, and and things like bicycle friendly streets and you know density of population and tourist attractions, all these things that come into play. That climate climate can be a big one as well. Climate can be a big one. Although if you look at the most successful bike sharing program in North America, it's where it's in Montreal, and yeah. and you know Bixie operates from I believe it's April or May to November. So there's about five months that people don't ride bikes there. Yet they have a tremendous number of subscribers, and part of that is culture, and part of that's topography and the way the streets are laid out there, and part of it's parking. And you know, it's it, there's a lot of factors that go into whether or not these programs will take it take off sure. or not. I, in Montreal, uh, like Paris, and I think like Barcelona, we didn't have a, a huge bike culture when they got into the game. Um, you know, they, it's something that uh, that bikes uh, has helped promote and cultivate uh, uh, the bike culture. And they definitely had something, and, and, and I know uh, Southern California is extremely auto-centric, but um, I think there is uh, probably some some level of bike culture already existing in Southern California that you can take to build on. And, and when you have hundreds of thousands of public bikes out there, mm-hmm. it raises awareness, and it kind of so slowly will shift the culture. Yes, there are, are going to be the people that are going to really cry out if a bike share is implemented there, but over time, you know. I, I like the example that uh, about a year ago uh, in Denver, a politician that was running for office called Bike Share a communist plot, a yeah. UN plot. And, and you know what? From both sides, from the left, from the right, everybody called him a quack and distanced himself, and it really hurt him politically. Uh-huh. So it, it just shows that there's support on both sides of the fence for, for Bike Share, and people realize that it is, you know, getting more people biking is in general a good thing. Um, now it's just how do we execute it? How do you do it affordably? How do we do it so that it doesn't Right. Well, the the other thing, Ryan, that and I hope you all don't mind us going back and forth. No, I don't. This adds to the conversation. Is New York and a lot of these places are very different from Southern California in that um, somebody wants to describe Los Angeles as a bunch of arteries in search of a heart. <laughs> and 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 the way you look at that is, there are a lot of municipalities out here. You know, we, we've been already discussed Santa Monica. We've discussed L.A., Manhattan Beach, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach. All these places, um, Hawthorne, Gardena. All these places are their own separate fiefdoms and their own government. Yep. And so, one of the challenges that we're finding is getting our way through government agencies. And, and, you know, city managers and offices, city councils, it took us, you know, 15 months to get the approval of Manhattan Beach. If you can imagine, you know, with 12 different, um, 12 different city, cities that we wanted to implement this in order to have a, a comprehensive system, how long that would take right. just to get the approval? And this isn't this isn't talking about uh, they're not subsidizing it at all. This is just allowing you to operate. This is just hey, thank you. you know, you have the right to operate a pilot program within our city limits. Sure. And uh, and it's it's one of the things I think that's unique to Southern California that unless we have a comprehensive bike share program and a comprehensive bicycling program, it's going to be tough. Um, sure. The area that we're operating in, which is called the South Bay, which is Manhattan, Hermosa, and Redondo, received a quarter of a million dollar grant from L.A. County to actually implement a master bike share program or master bike plan. And that includes things like, you know, bike routes, bike sharing, these other things. And you actually have consultants that are involved in actually implementing this. That's a really good step in the process. 
but you know, circumnavigating your way um, not only through each city, but the county, um, dealing with metro, which is you know dealing with light rail. All these you know agencies have to have a say in this. And, right. and I think Phil Brock from Santa Monica pointed that out. It's frustrating in order to get right. that going. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I, but prior to working on Sobe, I actually worked for the Department of Transportation in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm a, I'm, I myself am an urban planner. So I realize, you know, kind of navigating this is going to be difficult. If we if we can eliminate as many of the unanswered questions as possible, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be a lot easier. Um, you know, I've spoke so, with some folks in Hoboken uh, City Government, and you know, if we could offer a financially sustainable model that won't cost the city couple million dollars in initial capital outlay, they'd want to do something. And there's a lot of other places that are the same way. Um, so, you know, you're still going to, especially in a, a, an area like California, you're going to have to go through a number of different bureaucracies to launch a full system. But I think as you as it becomes more mainstream and more people understand the concept and what you're asking for, um, especially if they don't have to pay for it, they're, they're going to be more likely to do it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, they may want a cut of revenues. They may want something. I don't know, but they're going to be more likely to prove it, and they, and they should be because we're serving and providing an extra service, an extra public transportation option that doesn't. If if we can provide an extra form of transportation that doesn't cost them anything, and supports the buses and trains or whatever else the region might have, that's a huge public service. And if you can increase services without increasing the cost, that's what every city should be looking for. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, it's really it's really interesting what you're doing down there, and um, you know, w- uh, what's your time frame for trying to get something going in, in Manhattan Beach? Uh, we're looking three to four months from now. We want to hit it for the summer, for oh. to get good data. How many how many bikes are you um, trying to put out originally? Uh, we're actually going to only start with by two or three stations to start get some data. Okay. Um, where we did get the right to actually operate is right next to the pier. Okay. So. Um, and we are, and, and as Ryan mentioned, we are splitting revenue. Ten percent goes to the city. Um, one of the issues we've run into, though, is local local bike shops are concerned and opposed to, that this is going to perhaps cut into their business. Right, people aren't going to buy new bikes because you could just rent one or share have a share bike share. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things I think is missing though is it's not we're not really going after the tourist market. Right. Um, and and I think that's a misconception with bike share programs. It is about commuting. Right. Ryan understands that, and I think the folks sure. that understand bike sharing understand that. This isn't, hey, I want to go down and ride a bike, and I'll rent a bike for a day. This is getting people out of their cars and commuting using bicycles. Right, get it's, people it's, moving. It's something designed for many short trips as opposed to a three- or four-hour rental. Exactly. And, and, it's, and it's generally priced that way. Um, but, you know, there, there's going to be some overlap there. Uh, the experience out of Paris is that bike shops actually sold more bikes after the institution of bike share. So it got more people interested in biking and more people saying, hey, I want to own my own private bike. Right. Um, however, if, you're, if your business is exclusively tourist rental and you're pricing, like in New York, pricing for rentals 40 or $50 a day, um, there may be... There may be a change to your business model, you know, that, and that's, that is probably a real thing that you're facing. Um, but if you offer other services and you offer you know, a different product, then, you know, you could still make a go of it. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, a caller earlier today had said that that's part of the realities of living in a free market society. Right. Um, you know, you have, you're going to face competition and new alternatives, and you have to distinguish yourself. 
Exactly. I would think that some of the bike shops would actually even want to get involved with maybe having a, uh, a kiosk by their shop. Well, you know, it, it we we actually had the idea of getting in, them involved with the maintenance of the, uh, yeah. the bikes, yeah. servicing the bikes. Um, I think, though, they're very comfortable. I mean, some of these have been operating 30 and 40 years. They're very comfortable in what they know. Right. They don't want to yeah. really change their business model. And or... change is a threat, exactly. And right. we've tr- been trying to bring them along. And I think... You know, Ryan's right that uh, the more and more that people understand what this is about, the less resistance you'll find. It's getting to that stage where the education process, and that's tough. That's really tough. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the the trend seems to be pretty firmly in place now um, that over the next five years, you're going to see this continuing to grow. And and we still don't know. We're still kind of figuring it out as we go along. But... It, the trend is pretty firmly in place now. In, in 2007, around the time of the leave, there was about 17 bike sharing systems around the world, and now we're over 200. So you have, you know, uh, almost, yeah, I guess 10 times as many systems over just three years. Um, and, and, and more than that, you see at planning conferences, when you talk to mayors, when you talk to people in transportation and urban planning, bike sharing is kind of the new hot, hot solution. Uh-huh. Um, just like bus rapid transit was a few years ago, now everybody's talking about bike sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to see this continue to go. We're going to see this continue to expand. Um, you know, and 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 I, I believe that is kind of the a future of urban transportation. Well, yeah, and I think one thing that's not been mentioned is this whole last mile, first mile, last mile issue, mm-hmm. where the station or the bike has to be you know close enough that walking makes. Walking to the bike makes sense. Getting on the bike makes sense, and leaving it wherever it is. Um, where if it's um, you know a, a light rail system, um, there has to be a station there. Now you, with your system, which is nice, is you can pretty much leave it anywhere that you can lock it. Right. Um, I think one of the issues that 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 I think you all have thought about is you have to have a, a phone enable this correct or you actually have to do this online versus going up and walking up and, and doing it is that correct uh yes and no but i mean you could also have an auto you know a call in number and set up an account that way um it depends what you think your user base is if you think you're you're dealing a lot with long-term users and residents hello hello did we lose somebody i, oh, wait, I, I think i'm still here Hello. Uh, I think so, yeah. Can we hear everybody? Sorry about that. I made a really weird digital mic. Um, uh, you know, people are going to have the opportunity to sign up uh, ahead of time and, and get their accounts created. And you do also want to accommodate tourists and accommodate city users. Um, one way I was thinking of doing this, rather than having this huge kiosk on street taking up the public right away, you know, what if you have, have little iPad kiosks at bike shops, at restaurants, at bars, um, for people to kind of register and enter the system that way? Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways for getting people on the system that don't necessarily involve this uh, kind of kiosk. And the other uh, the other systems are based on an RFID card. So, you know, you don't think you're found to get an RFID card right away. If you want some users, you have to wait for that package. You're, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. It's a little hard to hear. Okay, sorry about that. Can, okay. we, can you hear me now? Yeah, it's better. Um... But, uh, but, yeah, so there's plenty of ways of kind of people bringing in. And the other concern I often hear is, um, you know, well, what if you don't have a mobile phone or what if you don't have a smartphone? And um, we're going to have a keypad interface on the box. So even if you don't have any phone, uh, you'll still be able to get access to the bikes. Uh-huh. 
Um, so we want to kind of design for the future, which is, you know, more than half of all phones now being shipped are smartphones. So we want to kind of recognize that trend. But at the same time, if people aren't using that technology, we need to have them be able to get on the system as well. Right. Um, Plus, people that are visiting from a, another country may not have the ability to, to use their cell phones here. Sure, so. sure. Or, or they have to pay crazy amounts to do that. Right, exactly. Um, but, you know, there's definitely, for us, it's going to be a learning process. We haven't implemented a system yet. We have our first pilot is uh, going to be at Indiana University next fall, and we're going to be doing some testing at that school this spring. Uh, and we're in talks with a couple other places, uh, two other cities that I think we have a pretty good chance of launching at. So um, we're going to get these first few test markets, and we're going to work very closely with the local operators, and we're going to work out the kinks. But, um, you know, that's the same type of challenges that the station-based people uh, are facing as well. Um, the challenges of redistribution, maintenance, uh, create, account creation, all those things. Um, it's such a new industry um, that, no matter what type of technology you use, you're going to have those kind of struggles. Well, and Ryan, um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, um, one of the nice things about stations are it's actually an advertisement. You know, they, they're sure. really well marked. How do you actually advertise your system where the, you know, the locks are fairly small? Um, just right. to, sorry, just to break in here real quick, I'm going to try to get Michael on the phone so, uh, or through sure. Skype. Um, you guys can keep talking, but you might hear some weird, funny noises. Okay. okay. Like that. <laughs> I hear him. Uh, hello. I can hear you. I can hear you. Did you hear a lot of static though? I do, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think that's going to work. I, I, I might be able to conference Mike Lynn or, uh, or, or perhaps Todd Ken. Um, yeah, like through a three-way or something? Yeah, why don't you try, Ryan? Well... I, I, yeah, why don't you try? Because that way um, I can't actually. Sure, I, I can. So Todd, uh, you keep talking and I'll hold down the fort, and I'll, I'll see if I can bring Mike one. Do you have his phone number? Uh, I do from the email. I think. Uh, just give me a second, okay? Okay. Okay, so we're we're trying to get you on three-way, um, Michael. Okay. Yes, this is really interesting stuff. Um, so a lot of things I haven't really even thought about before. A lot of good points are being brought up. We have spent uh, the last year and a half just really analyzing the market and determining what the chances are for success. And I think one of the things that, that forces you to do this is you're dealing with people's money. Right? Exactly, yeah. Um, you don't necessarily have to do that if you're, you're talking, uh, e even though you do have to provide justification in, if you're the, in the public space. Uh -huh. If you're in the private space, you've got investors' money and your own money actually tied up in this, and you really okay, have to make I, sure it I works. Okay, I think we have success. Okay, Michael, do, are you here? Yes, I am. Thank you for calling. Okay, we, yep, you, no problem. We, we, everybody can hear um, everybody. This is uh, Reverend Mook. This is Todd, and looks like we have Ryan and you. Hey, great stuff. Thank you for, for, for going through this so thoroughly. That was a, a, a great, great, full of insight and enthusiasm. And, and it, really, <laughs> it really got me, got me um, interested in these schemes. It's very true to say that these, that these schemes are uh, an additional transportation option in a, in a larger mix and, and, and that they produce a service. And I didn't want anything else <clears throat> to, to be transpired. 
except that when the money is being spent on something, it means we need to have somehow a way of evaluating if this is an efficient way of creating it. Yeah, that's actually what I was just saying in terms of this. It's it's a much different perspective you're looking at if it's a private investment versus, say, the public's money. Right. There was a sense in which in which you were speaking, for instance, for, of, of, of some of the projects being funded with federal money. And, and what I heard there in the background kind of was saying, oh, well, if it's federal money, then it's not so important to decide if it's used for a good purpose or if it's the best use of that money, because federal money may only be available for that, such kind of a path or this or that. And, and in, that, in that sense, we kind of give up our, our, our best judgment. Yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of what happens. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I was down in Chattanooga. They got $1.5 million to implement a bike-sharing system, um, which, is, which is great, and it's a great uh, opportunity to promote cycling. On the other hand, they have almost no cycling infrastructure and very little cycling culture. So is, is that the best use of money, to spend $1.5 million um, to pay, to pay uh, Bixie, the company in Montreal, to put in the hardware? Or is there other things that can be done with that money, that would be a better end result for for the cycling community. I mean, I, 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 you, you're talking you're talking my <laughs> what I want to say, you know, because it needs to be somehow embedded in a, in a comprehensive program which doesn't only consist of software, but which also consists of of education and encouragement and all the other things in order to make. Mm-hmm. But there was one point where I really got a little bit um, um, moving on my chair when when I think it was Todd you saying that. Um, but these bike share programs are really for commuters, and I, 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 I'm, I'm not quite sure if I see that like this because the commuter is, in, in the normal scheme of things, goes to work and comes home again in the evening, and that puts two trips on a bike, and two trips on a bike by one person is not really commuting. It's not the best use of such a bike. That's 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 not that's not sustainable. And well, I don't know because you, you could pay this guy a, a taxi ride, and you would get off cheaper probably. <laughs> but if you only have these two trips on it, so what you need to find is a situation where the bikes are constantly busy and constantly being used. And that's I, a different well, kind of use, well, when a commu- commuting use, which goes from a train station to a, to an office complexes. Well, and and I think you know Phil Brock had mentioned it earlier. It's, I don't think it's just going to work and coming back. It might be during your lunch hour taking a, a ride from the Yahoo building in Santa Monica down to the Third Street Promenade. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, a lot of it also comes down to parking availability. And, uh, you know, there's, there's areas, and, and I'm referring specifically to Santa Monica, there's areas where people live that it's too far to walk and too close to drive. And so bicycling is the perfect mix in that in terms of, you know, uh, the convenience factor. And a lot of this does have to do with the convenience factor. And if, you hear, if you hear about uh, in Cal- you know California, a lot of the arguments for people don't uh, bike to work is they're like, well, what if I get there and I have other other meetings to go to? Um, so you know, the idea of having something that's flexible and they could take a, a one-way trip, or maybe at the end of the day they want to bike home, but they don't necessarily want to bike to work, it just creates a lot more flexibility. And the idea is that it's not each bike is only being used twice for the origin and destination. It's that. If, if one bike is shared by 10 people, I need that bike from 8 to 9, and somebody else needs it from 10 to 11, and all of a sudden you have each bike making 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 trips, and that is an efficient use of resources. 
Yeah, but that's where you want to be. But if, if, if you're in a commuter situation or if you're at the end of, the, of, 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 an, of a light rail line or something like that and you have very distinct flows of traffic going one way in the morning and going the other way in the evening, then maybe you can add an occasional lunchtime trip. Um, that, that's, uh, that's difficult to, to construct in a sustainable manner. I mean, then you, you talk more about a situation that the city of Santa Monica has in, implemented for its own employees. They have general bikes there which the employees can use and, 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 and they use them for their trips within the city and that's a, a perfectly useful thing and it doesn't cost much more than the cost of the bike itself. Well, and corporate, corporate campus is being spread around as well too. We've talked to um, North of Grumman here which is the largest employer in our area and their, their buildings are spread out among two cities, between two cities. So if you get people on bikes in between the two, I think that's, that's helpful. I, I think what you're talking about is is our our land use pattern in general is a is a bad one. So we're trying to retrofit a very kind of um, urban solution to land use patterns that aren't necessarily set up for that. So you know what you need really is mixed use. You need density. You need many different types of trips. And unfortunately, the way we've set up most of our American communities, we don't have that. We have a very specific type of commuter pattern. We have these bedroom communities on the outside of the city, and then we have jobs on the inside and anymore we have jobs scattered as well so we don't have these kind of dense urban uses now that means that bike share bike share is not the best fit for every place but for downtown santa monica where you do have some mixed use and you do have people living there maybe it does make sense maybe it does make sense but what i want to want to want to um, hit get the underline is that we have something like trip structure i mean what kind of trips do you have you have going one way and the other way. And depending on the strip structure, you need to evaluate if you need all the overhead, the ability for the bike to be paired by another person. Or if you could just leave it at the hotel and the next day someone else checks it out from the hotel again. Um, if, if, if it's a hotel or if it's an employer or something. Because most of the cost comes into it produced by the ability of anyone else to be able to rent it. And, and But if if you don't have other people who, who, who want to use that bike, if it's kind of always the same people who are using it, like the employer-based bike rental, then then you then you can get it so much cheaper and, and you still get a lot of bike trips out of it. Isn't this system and this program similar to the airline industry in that you've got very high setup cost and, and capital expenditure cost? And you have to get the most uh, use I, out of it. But it's about, it's about yield management. And, and those who understand the airline industry know that unless your planes are full, you're losing money. Correct? Right. The cost of fuel and the cost of the plane. And, and the airline industry has always lost money. They're only losing money. Well, Southwest Airlines does a very good job of making money. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've thought things out and they've been very analytical in how they've attacked each market. And I think uh, good management and good strategic plans will make most businesses fly. And uh, poor ones will, again, kill a business. And that's why we see a problem in the airline industry. I think the same thing goes for, for bike sharing. If it is not well thought out and if it's not part of the 12 metrics that, that have been identified that lead to success, your chances of success in bike sharing are limited if you're a private enterprise. You're going to look at, as a private enterprise, you're going to look at the markets that have the best mix of features, and that's where you're going to target. And then, you know, what I've been thinking is maybe there is a way for other communities that want bike share to somehow support that cost and subsidize that cost 
But if you're looking at purely from private enterprise, you're going to only be targeting that place with the best mix of, of solutions. I would like to point out real quick, though, that um, compared to the capital investment necessary for an airline, for even a bus route, bike share is a very, very small drop in the bucket. So if you're in a city and you're looking at putting in a new train line, for example, or dropping in a new bus route, it's a, a lot larger investment than the investment that's required to launch a bike share system. So from a public standpoint, insert in, in bike share as a, a transportation option, it's actually a much more affordable transportation option than what else is out there. If we, if we focus on the, on, on the capital costs and, and if we, yeah, and, and there may be other, I mean, talking about bicycle education and encouragement programs, talking about if you really sticking their head out and saying, okay, I, we want everybody to consider seriously if they don't want to, um, what, what they could do with their bike in their, in their garage and, 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 and we want to hear from them and we want to assist them. This, this would be a, also a costly program, but not that costly, really. And, and, and you could have a, a great number of tricks. Activating all these bikes which are forgotten in the garage is, 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 is also a worthwhile project, isn't it? And it's, a, it's, it's a, in a sense, you know, we're talking about putting 100 or so bikes fresh and new and newly painted out on the street, and we're forgetting about millions of bikes which, are, which everybody forgets in their own garage. And, and, and that is, is not that the bike-sharing program that we should... Um, Back and where we should put our attention and get people back on the bikes who have forgotten they have one. Right. Well, I think there's an issue with that as well, too. One, we're assuming that everybody has a bike. Two, a lot of people live in multi-dwelling units that don't have bikes. And the third part of this is the convenience factor. And we've actually done some anecdotal research with people. And um, that's kind of an oxymoron, anecdotal research, um, where people are not exactly excited about um, maintaining their own bike and then riding it one way and having to find a place to lock it up and watch it and do the other things versus a, a place where they can just just park it into a station and make it work easily and have it. It gives you, it gives you the feeling of being serviced a little bit if you, have, if you, if you can interact with a bike sharing program. It's something, it gives you a good feeling because it feels like the city is doing something. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a common good to it, exactly. But, but it also deprives you of the ability to be an expert of your own bike. People are under- but, but the thing is, not everybody wants to be that. Not everybody wants to be that expert. And, and actually, if you look at cyclists in Amsterdam and Copenhagen, um, I, I think much like myself, I don't necessarily want to know maintain a bike and take care of a bike. I just want to know that I have access to a mechanic, and when something goes wrong, I get it fixed. I mean, there are the people that really love the bike and, and really want to know every aspect and build their own frames and do all that, but there's a lot of people that see it as a transportation device and want to have that type of thing taken care of for them. And, and by doing a really well-run bike share system, you're even going a step further saying, hey, you don't even need to own the bike, just pay us for access to it. Um, and so I, I think I would go back to someone like Ivan Illich, who's a, who's a sociologist, and who would answer back here and say, there is a great benefit if people own the expertise that is necessary for them to maintain whatever tool it is they have to deal with. And whatever profession comes between the user and his tools and occupies that relationship, distances their own abilities is, is, is part of the modernization process. Sure. But, I mean, if you look across almost every industry, there's been a trend towards specialization and there's been a trend towards services. So um, while, while it's probably good to cultivate that knowledge and build up that local knowledge and get everybody doing it, the fact is, it, maybe it's out of human nature or whatever, people really appreciate convenience 
and and they're busy with their own lives and they don't necessarily have the time or desire to become bike mechanics. And that's I mean that's the whole that's the economy that we live in. Direction, but it is it is related to the topic because you say uh, Todd said there's a convenience factor, and I want to counter that and say there is an empowerment factor for all the inconvenience that goes along with fixing your own flats. That empowerment out of the out of the positive experience of you can do this. You can you you own your bike for totally. It's totally transparent to you, and you you can may even be able to shorten your chain. You know whatever. Um, or you go to the to bike wave and they help you. Well, I, I would say that people are getting more busy, not less busy, and they have less time to actually do those type of things. The, the other thing is, in cities that have much higher bike ownership rates, for example, Copenhagen and Amsterdam, maybe even Paris, I believe, they have bike sharing, and it obviously works. The question I would have is, if it works there, why wouldn't it work here, That a place that has less bikes? Fewer bike. It would probably it would probably work. Yeah, I think, I think it could work if it's if it's if, it's, if the density is right. Somehow. Yeah, there's again we identified there's there's twelve factors and and those are really really solid factors in terms of what'll work and what won't work. Um, I'd be glad to share them with people if they're interested. Yeah, I'd actually like to know what the twelve factors are because that kind of starts defining. Um, yeah, that I'd be glad was to talking about earlier about um, you know priorities. Okay. Right. Uh, the first one is, is population density, non-institutionalized group quarter housing, which is basically you know, multi-dwelling units that aren't part of a, an institution or a college, uh-huh. job density, retail job density, commute trip reduction companies, tourist attractions, parks slash recreation areas, topography, regional transit stations, bicycle-friendly streets, streets with bicycle lanes, and local transit stops. That's a pretty comprehensive list. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a place like we've identified that Santa Monica has probably 9 out of those or 10 out of those 12. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say uh, Miami Beach, which is where Deco Bike is going, and has probably 9 or 10 out of those 12. A city like Los Angeles, a large city like Los Angeles, and we're talking about Los Angeles, you, there are many different areas. They might have five or six out of those twelve. They just don't. the The problem with with Los Angeles is half of those things aren't even there. Right. And and that is that is a problem. It's, it is a problem in order to get this. You know, I'd love to see Los Angeles adopt one, but you know they don't have a lot of streets with bicycle lanes, and and topography is tough here, and and you don't have as many as a percentage as many commute trip reduction companies. And if we took this whole question a little bit of step back and said, bike share programs, wonderful thing, but for, for, if, if public investment comes into play, then it should be, should we be going to, should well be going to bike share programs, but it should be balanced with investment into private ownership, private bike ownership, or private bike education, or, or encouragement programs, which, which are not... Um, Related to this bike ship, uh, Michael, I, I would agree. The 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 reason why, unfortunately, that that's not the reality, is it's the nature of these grants that are issued. These grants are generally for capital purchases, um, for for infrastructure. Okay, so they are designated that they're not designated for for um, 
uh, operations costs are generally not designated for marketing costs and other sort of costs. These are the same type of dollars that would pay for, I guess, new highway construction. Um, or coming from some of the same sort of pools of money. So it's the, 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 the funding source that's been tapped into kind of limits the, the way that these funds can actually be used. Um, that's a very interesting um, contribution, and, and, and I, I think there's a little bit of movement in, in terms of LA Metro, which, which does these um, calls for projects and things like that, and finance some of them. They have increased their funding for, for these educational things, but... But um, it, 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 this, this puts us in this place where kind of the political structure or the funding structure um, um, privileges these projects versus the other projects, which are more private bike ownership and private education programs for the public, and under does not support those the second second part of right. It. it would be interesting to, if they actually instead of just actually giving grants for these programs that they had some type of federal matching funds in order to get these things off the ground. Because to, to actually prove that you can actually support a private bike share program or a public bike share program, um, to me that would help in terms of offsetting the capital expenditure cost. And, and you can actually prove that you either have sponsors or advertisers or private investment that can actually run and operate these systems. I, I think there's there's value and there's value for public money putting to be put into these things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just working with the existing frameworks, and and I know that you know cities are out there looking for how do we get money, and a few of them found these CMAC grants, and a few of them found you know another pool of grants, and they're just scrambling to find whatever they can do um, within the existing framework. I mean, now if we're talking about creating new new policies and new laws. Um, I'm I'm all for it, but we we know we all know that the the process, the political process to do something like that takes a lot of time. Um, and I think after we see some of these early successes, you may you may see some sort of bike share legislation or bike share grant pool created. But for right now, they're working with the existing framework, which is not really, um, you know, wasn't set up with this type of system in mind. Yeah, I agree. In Los Angeles city city council election now, and who knows what the outcome is, and if we have a bicycle advocate on the city council, so maybe, maybe it won't take that long, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I want an advocate on the city council. I also want the city manager to see the vision that that this is a great thing to do because that's you know, actually I'm an elected represent elected uh, official, and I know that most of the work gets done not by the city councils or school boards, but it gets done by actual the professionals, the managers that want to see the vision of something like this implemented. And, and city councils provide the oversight in order for this to happen or not. And if the city manager does not buy into a system like this, their chances of, of getting it passed are slim. Sure. And it, and it varies from region to region. What he can do. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it does. But in general, you know, things don't even get on the agenda to get discussed until, you know, it goes through the city manager's office or gets pushed from a city council uh, council person to the city manager's office. Right. In the case of New York, I mean, it's kind of coming out of the DOT, the Department of Transportation, but that's because we have a huge DOT. There's probably some other some other states that may not even have a, a large formal DOT. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's coming from the working professionals that, you know, be it city manager, be it Department of Transportation, they they see the value in it, and they're generally the ones pushing for it, and and making the case to city councils and mayors and and every everybody else. I would agree. Todd's list of criteria is, is, is a very important one, which educates these people. The fact that this is not about 
oh, it feels so good to be in Paris, you know, or can't we do a little bit of old Europe in this country here? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and gets it out on, 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 on a factual ground and, and puts numbers on the tables and, and, and helps to decide um, if it's going to take off or not. And things like trip structure and density and usage rates and things like that are very important. I, th I think part of the objection, though, too, is the, the, what's perceived as the gross amount of cost for these things. And that's, that's something that I'm trying to address by, by designing a system that brings technology into it to lower those costs, lower that barrier entry. And in, in some way, that's what Todd's doing, too, in, in terms of trying to build a for-profit model so that it's not going to cost the city a few million dollars to get something going. Is there a way to, to justify a system? It's, it's easier to justify if it's not that public burden. Um, so I think between, the, between us driving down the cost and, and several people, I know many people are looking at ways of doing this as a for-profit enterprise and a privately funded enterprise. Those two factors, if those, if those work, we may see kind of a slow death of this subsidized bike share model that's out there that, that, that uh, you know, has this very expensive equipment that is paid for by taxpayer dollars. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we'll see where the technology takes us in the next three to five years. Exciting, exciting times. Yeah, it's, it's um, a bike talk without music, was it? No, <laughs> there, there wasn't very much music at all. Um, I thought I was going to play some we stuff. Have, uh, we still have bike talk on? Yeah, bike talk's on. I think so. Not. Yeah. Well, are you guys... <laughs> I think we're, we're all in agreement this has to happen. The question is how, how we get it to, to make sense. So. Right. I think there needs to be a strong criteria established. Um, um, those 12 points that... Um, were pointed out earlier. Are we on the radio or not? Yeah, we're on. Good. It's still, it's still on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys can hear everybody, right? Okay, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, yeah, this is a, a four-way conference call using three different technologies, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was still working. No, well, you guys are going out, so um, we're, we're, we're going out over the air, so everyone can hear uh, everything everybody's saying. So Todd, yeah, I, I want to connect with you later offline. Uh, I'd like to talk more about what you're doing and how we might, you know, maybe pilot something together in the future. That sounds great. Um, good, good, good. And uh, yeah, Michael, next time I come out to uh, Los Angeles, we'd have to connect. And um, I, I really like what you guys are doing with sustainable streets, and I want to help help out in what way uh, I can to make that make that a reality. Great. Social bikes. Okay, thank you for everybody for, for, for coming in here and, and sharing their thoughts. I think it's a, it's a very good discussion to have. And my concern was just that we, we, we need to get, get some facts on the table and not, not kind of be enthusiastic about something where, where we don't have the facts and, and just be good. And right. Cool. Sure. And I, I, I second that. And I think if, if you're too, I want to use the word Pollyannish, going into this and it doesn't, it doesn't succeed, you don't have a lot of chances to implement this. And if if they don't if, if it doesn't work don't once. fly or these programs don't fly, people are going to become jaded really quickly that bike sharing doesn't work. Yeah, I think sure. you're right. And they are very sensitive to it. I mean, I, I mentioned this essay in the in the London Review of Books where where people just get so disappointed when they don't find the bike which is supposed to be there for them. You know, it's just it's it's, it's very difficult to get that right. Yeah. Or in Barcelona, you can't actually choose the bike you want. And, and that's a problem as well, too. It just releases one? It just releases one. And if you get released one that has a flat tire or something like that, then that's people are unhappy. That's not, that's not a very good system. No, it's not a good system. But it's an earlier system, so I think they're going to change that. 
Thank you, everybody. I'm I'm going to uh, enjoy the rest of my weekend now and <laughs> and ride a bike. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you for hey, calling. Nice to talk to everybody. And, and uh, Todd, yeah, let's, let's keep in touch. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. All right. Did everyone leave? Or am I... I think that was the end of the conversation. Wow, that was a lot to think about. A lot of discussion going on there. Um, those, those That conversation was between um, Todd of... Um, the back, I'm, again, I'm probably slaughtering the names, but um, Todd, he's the co-owner of uh, Baku Bikes, and that's a firm that specializes in uh, bike sharing schemes in Southern California. Um, we had Ryan on the phone, who is involved with Social Bike in, I believe, New York. Um, he's an engineering um, uh, person working with engineering to make sure that the um, locking and control mechanisms as well as um, other technical challenges are addressed. Um, and of course, we had uh, Michael. Um, he's the uh, on the board of Sustainable Streets, formerly on the board of the LA CBC, and uh, he had a lot of great things to, to talk about. Um, a lot of things for me to think about. Uh, I'm definitely leaving this show with, um, with, with, with different ideas um, on maybe the way that I think that bike sharing should be um, run. Of course, everybody has their own opinions on what it should be, how it should be run. Um, so I guess in conclusion, uh, there's still a lot of things that need to be um, a set of cr like a criteria set that needs to, everybody needs to agree on um, and how, how these are going to be implemented. Um, again, as I, I believe Todd said, it was, it's very Im important that this is a we, we, we strike a home run at first because, you know, if it doesn't work first time around, then people are going to become uh, jaded very fast. Um, so with that being said, um, if nobody else calls in, we're pretty much done here. We have five minutes left in the show, I, I guess. Again, like I said at the beginning of the show, there's two clocks in here, and they're both ten minutes apart, so I don't exactly know what time it is. Um, but it's probably the end of the show. So I'm just going to end the show up with uh, a couple's, couple bike songs that I was going to try playing at the beginning of the show, but we got kicked off to an early start. Thank God, because uh, there's a lot to talk about. I was, um, this is my first time doing bike talk, so I wasn't exactly sure what to expect um, in the sense of even how the format of the show was going to go. Um, so, yeah, let me just try to cue something up here on turntable number one. This is um, a limited edition of 1,000 12-inch records. Um, again, of uh, home recordings and DIY recordings of um, bicycle songs. Uh, this is going to be um, Schwinn 24 from the Teen Titans, I think. Let me just make sure this is queued up. And uh, after we're done with some tunes, we're just going to fade into the next show. Thanks for listening. This is Reverend Mook filling in for Nick at Bike Talk. Killradio.org. <laughs> Thank you.
Yeah, these are bike songs. Um, that was not actually the Teen Titans. That was the Paranoids with Go. Um, I, I counted the tracks wrong. Um, so if you all, if this doesn't all make you quit listening, you can stay tuned because next is uh, more bike songs. Not the same record. They kind of all sounds the same ish. So if you're into it, you're into it. If you're not, you're not. Killradio.org. Just don't care about people who just don't care about me. 